Well, hey, and welcome to episode 21 of the Gospel for Everyone podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Krisma, and I'm so glad you're here. Well, on today's episode, Jason, Josh, and I sit down and we discuss Romans chapter 7, verses 7 through 25. We dig in deep to verses 15 through 20, what we call the, the do-dos. It's one of the most confusing, in my opinion, chunks of scripture that Paul ever writes. So we dig deep into that. And then we also talk about verse 24 and verse 25 at length being the hope that we find in all of these discussions. As always, if you have not yet listened to Sunday's message, I do encourage you to do so before continuing on in this podcast. You can find that at YouTube or at quadcity.church. Well, without further ado, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Well, hey guys, good morning. Merry Christmas week, fellas. Good morning. It I'm a little under the weather here today, but I'm yeah, good. Good, good. It is Christmas week, so you got to get that back in check. Got to power through. Yeah. Just <laughs> it was a couple of years ago that like, I think Ken and I both were sick on Christmas Eve services. It was like, uh, I don't know, we had some sort of, it was the year before COVID, right? So it was December of 19 and we both had the COVID, but it wasn't really the COVID. We were both real sick though. It was not a good time. It was months before COVID, not a year before COVID. Months. Yeah, no, it was like the, I said, months. I said the yeah. year. The this year. months, man, yeah. February. Right, the year So two COVID. months. Yeah. Not like a lot of months. Right. No, 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 no. But it, technically it was the year before COVID, right? COVID hit the U.S. That's true. So that's all I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Yeah, being sick around Christmas is never fun. It isn't. Mm. No, it was a bad time. Because uh, stuff is just so busy. We get so busy around Christmas, and then, then it's like you're falling behind and all the stuff you have to do. But that's beside the point. What uh, what are you guys looking forward to over the next week or so? Jason, do you have any cool things you all do as a family? Um, so our habit has been we'll do our Christmas Eve services, and then we typically will go out to dinner. Last couple of years, it's been like Chili's, I think. Chili's closed. Did you hear that? What? Chili's in Prescott Valley closed. Shut the front door. Ridiculous, right? You're lying. I'm not lying to you. You're kidding me. Google it. I'm not joking. That's bad news. Yeah, that, that really you, has been our kind of our tradition. We'll go to Chili's and then we go drive through the Valley of Lights. Yeah. Are you for real? Because it's the only place that uh, that's open that late, typically. Like, right. Or that's like decent to go to restaurant-wise. That's, that's open that late. The night before Christmas. What happened? They're what? always busy. Yeah, it can't. It could not have been because they're not making enough money, I or not. I mean, enough. surely that's the only reason the franchise is going to close, right? No, I. I mean, I've, I've seen quite, quite a few Quad City people there on a Sunday afternoon. For sure, Quad City alone. We keep that place. We're going. keeping it going. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. So now, um, I'm done. There's a restaurant in that space called Eurasia by uh, Chef Michael. And it is like an Asian European fusion restaurant. Wait, what? Yeah, weird. Corey sent that to me a couple of weeks ago. How did they turn it over that quick? I, I don't know, no man. Idea. I was just there when my dad was in town. So really, mid before Thanksgiving. Yeah, I got this uh, on December 9th. I. Well, now we just went sideways. The whole podcast is now going well, but sideways. The, the people at Quad City care about this. Though. You sure he meant Chili's and not? There's that place downtown that has changed. 
cheese or whatever, that changed. Oh, maybe that's what it was. I might be wrong. Okay. Whew. Oh, he said, yeah, no, it is cheese, but it's, he spelt it with two eyes. So I, for whatever reason, my, I saw it and just thought chilies. Oh, oh, that's a lot better. Well, not a lot better. Cause I like cheese. I did like cheese too. That's good. a bummer. That is a bummer. Well, all right. Okay. We're good. So we're totally Christ- <laughs> no, we Wait just, to- we just panicked everybody on the podcast. Sorry guys. Guys, if- chili's is not closed. We're Don't so worry. It's, it is like a cheap place for us to eat. So. It's, it's great. No, I love chili's. So back to our. Christmas, <sighs> that's typically what we'll do after Christmas Eve services, and then we drive through the Valley of Lights over in Presque Valley. Oh. That's kind of our deal, and you know, go home and get up the next day and yeah. do Christmas. Fine. That's good. Now I'm trying to think of how many people I've told Chili's is closed. Because <laughs> this isn't the first time I've talked about it. And I am. We are good. All right. <gasps> we uh, So we'll do um, our birthday thing is donuts. We've always just done donuts for birthdays for, for Porter and anyone else in the house. So we get some donuts in the morning on Christmas. And that's kind of our, our Christmas morning post. We usually get them like uh, we'll get them the day before just so we have them in the house for Christmas morning. But we'll do uh uh, the last couple of years, Porter loves doing like sleepovers and movie nights. So we'll do that Christmas Eve, uh, wear some Christmas pajamas and then wake up and do presents in the morning. So that's kind of, that's kind of our thing. We're usually done real early though. So it's just the three of us. The rest of the day, it's just like, hey, what do you want to go do? So yeah, we, uh, so we have a Christmas Eve box that the boys get and it's got a movie in it, mm. cocoa, popcorn, same with PJs. So um, PJs aren't actually going to make it in time. They uh, oh. we ordered a little too late. They said they were going to make it. They're not going to get here till the twenty seventh. So, mm. uh, no Christmas PJs this year, boys. Mm. Sorry, yeah. Um, but typically that's what we've done. And then same way, we wake up in the morning, cook a big breakfast, um, and then we do for dinner because we watch basketball all day. Yeah, we always love watching the NBA, so we just are are kind of watching basketball. There'll be some football this year, even though the games don't look great. But and then we do Christmas tacos. Like a couple years ago, we. We were doing like the whole kind of Thanksgiving, but you just substituted ham for a turkey. Basically, that's what happens. It feels yeah. like, and I was like, my kids don't eat this, but we eat tacos. And my wife and I were like, why can't we just do that then? And I was like, I think we can. I think you can. I don't think anybody's stopping us. So the Garrett's do, like I make homemade rice. I put some beans on it, cook for five six hours that day, and then I just make different kind of meat. We eat tacos. Nice. So that's what we do. We um. A couple of years ago, uh, for uh, what I should say is for a couple of years in a row, we're doing like we just order pizza or, or get pizza and make. I think we would do homemade pizza uh, Christmas dinner, but we did that. I think maybe two or three years. Not really a tradition, but yeah, same kind of thing. It's one of those like that's why that's the thing that frustrates me about Thanksgiving. It's like, oh, if we don't if we don't really love this food anyways, why are we doing this every year? So I love that. Yeah. Tacos are way better. Way, be- I mean, again, and my kids are going to eat it. And we eat biscuits and gravy for the morning. We eat some eggs and all nice. the all the fun stuff. But so, but I love just being able to hang around and do the do the tacos. We don't do a ton of presents either. We're, we we had to limit myself because I would go crazy. So we have like certain things that we buy, a real simple and easy, practical stuff. But yeah, um, well, give it to us. You yeah. shared this in our yeah, I did. Yeah, so we do. Last week. Yeah, we do. Uh, for each kid, we do something to, they need, something they want, something to read, something to wear. And then the coolest thing, and it actually finally kind of clicked in this year for a couple of my boys, 
something to give away. Hmm. So one of their presents is they get to go pick out something to give away. Now, when we were in Louisiana, our church was mainly low income and homeless. So there was a ton of people. I worked at an after school program. So there was a ton of times that it was like, hey, I knew somebody was having a baby. We all went to the store. We picked out gifts. But the boys, they didn't necessarily know. There was one year that there was a couple older ladies in our church. And so they just kind of adopted them as grandmas. We went and got them the the basket from Sam's that had all the fun stuff. But this year we said, hey, boys, who in your school, like maybe you notice that you just want to give a gift to, right? Like maybe they don't have as much or maybe you just really want to bless them. Like what does it look like for you to just give away generosity? And so they both, my two oldest picked kids in their grade, but they're like, daddy, I think I want to give something to this kid. So Judah got a kid, a basketball jersey, because every time Judah would wear his jersey, this kid was asking him, hey, can I wear that? And, like, apparently the kid is really little, so it looked like a dress. So we just got this kid a basketball jersey. And then Gideon was like, hey, my one friend is always talking about Hot Wheels cars, Daddy. I think he loves them. Can we get him some? I was like, yeah, let's do it. So um, so really cool, like, really fun thing, just getting them to, like, think about other people hmm, during yeah. this season. Um, so run and, down your list again. Yeah, so it's it's need, want, read, wear. So again, they and get then a, give and then give away, right? So we wanted to teach the generosity, and so the boys get to make a list. They still do all the things, but really, I am a crazy gift giver. Like I love giving gifts. It is something that I'm, I just really enjoy. My wife is the opposite. She does not like it, and so I would buy and spend way too much money. And so this keeps me in check. It gives me rails nice. to stay in bounds on. And again. Our kids are incredibly blessed all throughout the year. I mean, we, you know what I mean? God's yeah. been really good. So it's like we don't need yeah. – like I have friends or my, my my brother would go to his in-laws and it would be like three hours worth of opening presents. And I was like, oh, that's that's too many presents. Mm-hmm. And they're the family too that goes one at a time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's anybody listening who's a one-at-a-time family. Yeah. Have you ever been to one of those? It's like you open yeah. and then Jason open and then Josh opens. That's how we do it. Oh. We, we do that, but the cool thing is there's three of us, so it takes 15 minutes, and then we're yeah. done. Because yeah, we're not wild gift givers either. Uh, again, we don't have the space for all that stuff, right? We have a small right. house, so it's like we physically don't have space right. for all these toys. So mostly it's like experiences and stuff like that. So Jason opens all his gifts, and then it goes to, like, Kelly, or is it, like, one, and then everybody goes back so around? So, yeah, in my home growing up, it was, um, yeah, you went in order, and the youngest went first. Now. There was a season that um, I had some step-siblings in the house. We were like the Brady Bunch. There were three boys, three girls in the house, and we would go in order, and the oh. youngest went first. Now, here's the thing about having three boys, three girls is, like, you my, – my parents wanted to make sure everybody was equal, and so you end up essentially getting the same gift in three different colors. So there was three boys <laughs> – and we were, my oldest brother was, he's two years older than me. And my, I had a younger step brother that was a year younger than me. So we were all within three years. So we're all, it was all pretty close. Right. And so essentially I would watch the, my stepbrother open his gift. Oh, he got a sweater and he got a car and he got a, okay, great. That's what I'm going to be getting here in about 15 minutes. So, <laughs> but if we would go from youngest to oldest and yes, everybody watched everybody else get their gifts. Do you still do that now? Um, maybe. 
I don't know. It, I don't think it's near as strict. Uh, but yeah, th- there's still probably a version of that where we watch each other open their gifts. That's funny. It so seems you, really you, you long. Just, it, uh, we just go. We hand it to them. They get the, one of the boys will pass it out to each other. And uh, my oldest, he is this crazy ripping through. Gideon, my second, he's like real meticulous. Silas is like he opens one and then he goes and starts playing with it. <laughs> and like he loves it. He's just playing with his gift and he's just doing his thing and he forgets that he has more. Yeah. And he's nice. like, he just doesn't care. It's not yeah. his thing. So yeah. my oldest is like, he wants all the gifts. I could see Gideon like taking the the tape off and then like folding the paper yep. to use it for later. You have a grandma that did that. My grandma straight up did that. Uh-huh. Yeah. My oh, grandfather yeah. did that. He would literally pull out a pocket knife. <laughs> And slide the pocket knife through the tape on each seam of the paper. So he'd never rip the paper. He would always just slice the little transparent tape. That's funny. I will say, so just back to your kind of generosity focused thing. One thing we started doing this last year, we've got a friend who um, works uh, on Sedona fire. So he's a fire uh, uh, fireman. And he was working on Christmas last year. So like, oh, you know what we should do? We do this thing in the morning and it takes us literally an hour right to call all the family members again we've got a small family so it doesn't take too long we've got the rest of the day so we baked like two trays of enchiladas and rice and that sort of thing we brought it out to to the fire station in sedona and dropped it off and toured the station and it was just a cool thing for porter to be able to be a part of as just uh hey this is an opportunity like these guys have to work right it's not they're on rotation they've got to do this thing and it's not awesome right he's got three young kids at home he wants to be at home with his kids But at the very least, we were able to stop by and spend some time with them. So uh, just, you know, what a cool opportunity to be able to find something like that to do to try to instill that in the kids as young as they are now. And hopefully something that they'll carry forward, you know, throughout their life. Yeah, because that's what we know. Like, you don't naturally just pick up generosity. Right. You usually got to. Not as an American. right? No. (laughs) Generally. Yeah. Generally speaking. And so how do we teach? And so, again, it's it's helping our boys also realize, oh, my goodness. We have been given so much. I can so literally they know normally they would get five presents, but they're gonna give one of those away. They're gonna because they would I want to teach them the value of that. Like how much do they actually pick something? It's so it's not like a we're not giving a used toy away. Like we are going to the store and buying something brand new that they normally would want for themselves, and they get to give that away to a friend. So same way, right? Teach them now, hopefully. When, and then when you get to this idea of, you know, giving and all that stuff, they have a concept of it of like, oh, it actually does make a difference. It doesn't matter. You know, it does do those things. So Yeah, good. That's awesome. Well, hey, let's dive into the message from yesterday. Uh, Sunday's message, we had Grant Agler out back, back out with us uh, this week, which is always a good time. Super grateful for him. I think he did a great job. But just want to start by asking you guys, hey, what did you think? What, what stood out to you throughout the course of uh, Grant's message? Uh, I thought he did an amazing job. Uh, every time he comes out, I'm like, Ugh, show off. He's up there preaching noteless and he does amazing. And I'm sitting back there questioning my life choices. <laughs> so there's my insecurity for the day. I'll confess that. No, he did a great job and so helpful with a big, complex part of Romans chapter seven. I just thought he did an amazing job helping us understand how the law fits in and what the, what the purpose of the law, um, 
and getting us to the place where we can just say, oh, my goodness, what a wretched man I am. Like, I just – he did just did a great job. Yeah, I thought his Play-Doh um, analogy example, use of, was really great. Mm-hmm. Just talking about um, what that looks like, how how we do that with God. Hey, I, well, yeah, God, you know the stuff, so get rid of it. And how yeah. we how we've cheapened grace, right? I kept thinking of Bonhoeffer and, like, the cheap grace and like it's just not how it is cheap discipleship all that stuff but that that thought of the play-doh it's funny i was going to use play-doh a couple weeks ago when i taught um because there's this the line in there was literally like claimed the allegiance it, it also was talking about formed like you were molded and formed and talking about this when i thought of it i thought of play-doh like how we take play-doh and we kind of mold it and form it and god begins to shape us and change us and then so when he was teaching i that one was running through my mind, and I was like, oh, my goodness. And if I don't really give him at all, he can't really mold me, can't really change me, can't really form me into what I, what he wants me to be. And how many of us, like, that's some of our issue because we won't give it all to him. Mm-hmm. We do just try to quickly pass by it. And so that idea of confession was really big yesterday, at least in my mind, as I thought through, like, hey, what was the takeaway for me? Like, you have to truly confess those sins, which we talk about a lot just because of the CTO stuff and those kind of things. But um, the freedom that comes with that confession, when we really lay it out there and how many times it is like, well, God, forgive me. And then we just, yeah, we move past it. That's so good. And it made me think of just this kind of theology of surrender, right? And we talked a little bit about this last week um, in a meeting we were in, but this idea that, uh, right, like we don't get to control what we do and do not surrender to Jesus. Like that's not, that's not surrender. That's still me controlling the things that I'm willing to give up. Surrender is like, no, here's everything. Take it and do what you will with it. And I'm, I'm literally just laying all of the, all of the stuff down, the stuff that I want to lay down and want to be transparent about as well as the stuff I'm not willing to really be all that transparent about, but I'm just going to give it anyways, because I have faith that you're going to make it into something good. So um, I, it just made me, yeah, think of this idea of, oh yeah, that's that's kind of a, a piece of surrender that I think a lot of the times we can get wrong. Oh, and we do, right? We yeah. see that in the church. We see that with people. You know, how many of us really haven't confessed or given over those things to Jesus because maybe we think, oh, this is just too bad. He he can't know this about me, right? So we keep it in, or we think, well, I can I can fix this. I can change this on my own. Like I don't need anybody's help. But to actually get to that place where we just give all of our, you know, he said it yesterday too, which um, I says, but our warts and all, like all of our ugliness that God knows and sees, we just have this thing that like, oh, God doesn't, God doesn't know that. Or <laughs> I don't know what we think. Yeah. We try to trick ourselves into believing that for some reason. Well, I think he hit on it where we tried to convince ourselves <coughs> that we're not that bad. Yeah. That's the thing is we just, we want to act like it's, it's no big deal. And God's, desire through the law is that sin might become utterly sinful. Like he wants us to feel the full weight of our sin because only when we feel the full weight of it, do we actually get the full glory of grace. Like if you're, if your sin is only 10% bad, then grace only has to be 10% good. If I mean, as, as big as your sin is, is as big as grace is. And if you only need a little bit of grace because you only have a little bit of sin, then you're actually diminishing what Jesus actually did. So the greater I understand how utterly sinful I am, 
the more glorious the grace of Jesus is. And that analogy, too, with, his, with him being 16 and hearing all the commandments then became, oh, I want to break those. I, I think every male at least probably was like, oh, I've been there because that's exactly what I thought, too. I was like, oh, yeah, I've done that. People said, don't do this. And then I do it. So now raising boys, I'm like, me and him were talking about that back here in the green room of like, what does it look like? At some point, you want to give your kid freedom right. to make decisions. But then at other points, it's like, no, I want to protect them and keep them hold away in the house. And I don't want them to have those freedoms because they're idiots and they're going to make stupid decisions. Mm-hmm. And we don't want that. Right. And so, but just because we know our own selves and I was that like, oh, yeah, how far can I go now that you've told me I can't do that? Well, I want to try to do that. Let yeah. me see what that looks like. So I think that's all of us, right? We, yeah. the, we, especially boys, again, I'm just speaking from experience. Yeah, that's good. Well, yeah, I echo all of that. And uh, typically, you know, when we come before, right before we record this podcast, we've got a couple of questions like, hey, what, what questions came up on Sunday? And then what content could we get to? So let's start there. Uh, because I thought it was funny that, you know, after the eight o'clock service, Grant and I were chatting and, and he realized that he didn't get to verse 25, which is like the good news of the whole thing. Like it is the the crescendo of mm-hmm. the this big chunk of text. So Jason, tell, tell us a little bit about uh, Romans chapter seven, verse 25. Yeah. So you get through chapter seven and actually what you're talking about, verse 25 is kind of the launching point to chapter eight. Like this is the thing that gets us so excited about the book of Romans. So he's struggling all the way through chapter seven of, I don't do it. I want to do it. I can't do it. I really need to do it. I wish I was doing, but I'm not doing. And I mean, and then he says, Oh, what a wretched man I am. It's like he gives up in frustration. And then, and then he asked this amazing question, who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Cause he's talked about how there's good in me, but every time the good shows up, there's evil right there with me. Like this stuff is in my inner being. Sin is living in me. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? And I, I, in my Bible, I circled the word who, and I think it's so important that we notice that it says who is going to rescue me, not what is going to rescue me from this body of death. I think many of us, were looking for a what. We're looking for a a new diet. We're looking for a self-help book. We're looking for a exercise regimen. We're looking for a new prescription. What's going to rescue me from this body of death? We're looking for what's, but it's not a what, it's a who. Who's going to rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then, as you said, Brendan, this is the crescendo. Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Like that's the... It's a moment of, oh, there is, there is a Savior. There is a way. There is, there is hope. And then that's going to become the launching point for chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So it is, it is Jesus who saves us from this body that is subject to death. And because we're in him, there's no condemnation. So this, this is the beginning of the the. the as you said, the crescendo. This is the mountaintop of the book of Romans, and it and it all starts there with verse twenty five. So, we get to celebrate the who of of our rescue. Yeah, it's funny when you said that this morning, Brendan. That oh yeah, we should probably cover twenty five. I was like, that's that's right. We didn't talk about that because it is yeah. this moment of like, 
Thanks be to God. Oh, hallelujah, because you are wrestling. We have been wrestling through this. I'm a slave to sin. I don't do what I want to do, but you do get that that feeling of freedom. Ah, thanks be to God. And we've seen that phrase a couple of times in Romans, the reminder of this is the work of God. And then I love how he delivers me, how powerful right that is through Christ Jesus our Lord. And I just kind of chuckled. I was like, oh, yeah, that's that's a big one to not read, you know? Like, so, (laughs) uh, you know, I think he ended there with that idea of confession and sharing your sins, but it is this, oh, because of Jesus, I can go. Yeah. to the cross because I have been delivered. Yeah, I, I just told him, yeah, that feels like us because you shared all of the challenging stuff, but then you just left out the the encouraging piece, oh, right? Gosh. Like the encouraging one. Are we rubbing off on Grant? Maybe a little bit. That's not good. No, I think, we, I think need he, to, we need to have somebody to bring soap. I think he enjoys it. But, uh, that's so good. Well, um, let's do this then. So, right, verse 15 through 20, I think oftentimes we can read and just say, wait, what? Like, what, did, what is Paul saying? This doesn't seem very clear. I'm not really sure. Like, usually he's pretty articulate and he makes himself pretty clear. But in this, I just don't know what the heck he's saying. So let's talk a little <laughs> bit uh, about what we call the do-do's, right? Yeah. I do what I do not want to do, but I do not do what I want to do. And let's Which, talk- well done reading that. Like, I know it was on video. I don't know how many takes it was. But Actually, that was one. I <clears> did nice. that, that is one. It is tough just to read quietly in your mind. <laughs> uh-huh. It is so confusing. I think I had to... I did have uh, somewhere after verse 22, I think I did have a little that we had to redo, but no, I made it through that text in one take. I wonder what it's like in Greek. I I wonder if it's so choppy or if it's just because of our English language that the, the do word, you know, something else in Greek. So, but yeah, I was like, Hey man, good job. Great. (laughs) It's not easy to read even on video. It was a big text this weekend uh, for sure. Yeah. So let's, let's just break down that chunk a little bit. Uh, so I always look at it. There's, I look at it in two sections. So when you look at verse 15, it says, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate I do. And so in my Bible, I wrote out beside it. This is the can't stop. This is the stuff in your life that you know, you shouldn't be doing, but you can't stop. He says, look, what I hate I do. I know it's wrong. I wish I could quit, but I just keep doing it. So that's the can't stop. So when you're thinking about the things in your life that you wish, those habits that you are trying to break, but you keep falling into, this is the can't stop section. And then the section below it is the the can't start section. This is where he says, for I have a desire, this is of verse 18, for I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out for I do not do the good that I want to do. Like he knows the good things that he should be doing, but he just can't start. So I think for me that, that helped me to understand this a little bit that we all have things in our life that we can't seem to stop doing. I know these habits, these things that I've built into my life, I don't like them. Every time they show up, I'm embarrassed. I'm I'm filled with shame and regret and remorse, but I just can't seem to make them stop. And then there's these things that I know I should be doing. We're, we're what, 10 days away from New Year's. And every year we always have somebody who's making, I think the whole resolution thing's probably gone out the window. We've all given up <laughs> on that stuff at this point. I mean, it like seriously, 
2023, there's not a lot of people like looking at, there's not a lot of excitement for like another year. People are like, <laughs> there is some discouragement, man. People are like, oh, another year? Can't do another year of this stuff, right? It's weird. So there's this, I can't start. I can't, I know I need to work out. I know I need to eat better. I know I need to change the way I do my finance. I know I need the way the way I'm doing my parenting. I know I need to change that. It's all of this stuff that we know we should be doing, but we just can't seem to make ourselves do it. And so, uh, so that's the way I look at this text. What are the things that I just can't seem to stop doing? And what are the things that I know I should be doing, but I can't start? And if we could just figure those pieces out, I think that's what he's getting to here. But at the end of the day, you have both of these things that work in us. There's the good stuff that I want to do. Even though there's bad things I don't want to do, I just can't make myself do the right things. You know, it's hope. this is hopeful for me because like, I think through Paul, like, uh, I mean, dude wrote the New Testament. What we know now, Grant even said, is because Paul went to church and did all, all those things. And here is this guy who is genuinely still struggling with whatever sins it was. He, like you said, he wanted to stop some things and start other things. And it, it reminds me, it's like nobody is too far advanced to not still struggle with sin mm. and fight against it, mm-hmm. right? So many people, they become believers. It gets really hard. They keep sinning. They can't stop. They quit. They walk away. They give up. And like the, I think this is, for me, reading through this text is a sign of actual maturity, that there is the wrestling with sin that I am getting to this place that I do understand the seriousness and the weight of sin. And I hate it. And I hate the fact that there are times I do it and I know I shouldn't do it. And then there are things that I should do that I don't do. And it's, it's that understanding that I go, Oh, I actually think I am growing. Hmm. I am growing to become a more mature believer. I am seeing these things. Like there are some sins that instantly, feel like they disappeared. I got serious. They're gone. Then there are others. It's like, well, guess we're wrestling with these. And then there are some that come back. All of a sudden, something else comes back or somebody says something and scratches off. And you're like, ooh, I didn't know that was in there. And so it's this this picture, right? This such a uh, – sorry, it's my phone ringing. Such a – like that moment. And so I, I, for me, it's, it's, it's a message of hope. Here's this guy who clearly we would say, oh, yeah, Paul's got it figured out. He's acknowledging, oh, yeah, he's even struggling with things. And this is something we've talked about before. We hit on it a little bit last week, I think. I I believe that the closer we get to Jesus, literally the more sinful we recognize, the more sin we recognize, the more sinful we feel. I'm reminded of Peter when he was in the boat. and Jesus comes and says, hey, throw your nets on the other side, and they start pulling up, and and literally Peter hits his knees, and he says, get away from me because I'm so sinful. When he saw the power and the glory of Jesus, he was just overcome with his sin. And I think the closer we get to Jesus, which is why I think Paul at the end of his life, not the beginning of his life, the end of his life says, I am the chief of sinners. Like at the beginning of his faith journey, he was killing Christians. He ain't doing that anymore. He's taking the beating, but yet it's at the end when he says, man, I'm the chief of sinners. I'm like the worst of the worst. I think the closer we get to Jesus, the more our sin gets revealed. So so I totally get where you're coming from. It is a sign of maturity. You want to 
you want to recognize if somebody's really growing in their faith, <laughs> ask them what they're convicted by or ask them what they're confessing this week. Because the closer you get to Jesus, the more you're going to have to confess, which again brings up what you talked about last week with Martin Luther, the everyday life of a Christian is one of repentance. Like that's what we do every single day because the more we get close to Jesus, the more our sin is revealed. Yeah, hundred percent. And that I, it's something I share regularly as an encouragement for people. Oftentimes we'll have people come up to pastor's point and they'll, uh, again, especially, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the, the marriage and remarriage and that, that, uh, component of our faith. Right. Uh, I had a couple of people come up and, I've just had the question like, okay, so now what, right? So what's the next thing? And it's, it's always, I always like to pause and say, Hey, this is really, this should be encouraging to you because you realize now what you didn't know then. And that's not like, you don't feel good about it because you realize it's sin, but what you should feel good about is you're growing in sanctification, right? You're growing in likeness to Christ because that reveals sin in your life. There are things you do now that five years ago you did and didn't even blink an eye at, right? Like you you celebrate no, it. Right. You had no clue it was sinful, right. right? It just was the good thing to do. But now you realize it's sin. Congratulations. Like you're closer to Jesus now. Um, and then the other thing that this made me think of is we've been talking a lot lately about, right, these discipleship group things that we're launching at the uh, beginning of the year in February. We'll be, we'll be launching this idea of, you know, five person, uh, intensive discipleship groups. And part of the reason we're so passionate about this is because we see this sort of thing done nowhere better than in that tight knit community, right? This sort of realization of sin and confession and accountability. Like this is why we're running in this direction because we, we feel wholeheartedly that if you're going to grow in likeness to Jesus, if you're going to grow in your discipleship, to him, then this is something that we need to be doing on a regular basis. And these intimate groups, right? Life groups are fantastic opportunities, but likely we're not doing this at this level in a life group. Mm -hmm. Like these intimate groups where we're able to be transparent. You have someone that's going to call you out, going to ask you where you sinned this week, where you need to confess and where you need to repent. Like that's where this growth happens. So again, we'll, we'll be talking a lot more about this discipleship group idea, but this is the exact reason uh, that we think this, this sort of thing is so, so important. Yep. And then again, it's that it it's out of that understanding of sin, understanding of man, how wretched we are. But again, it, it drives to 25. 100%. Thanks be to God. And it's the reminder that, so Jesus, we have lived lives that only bring about death. Jesus lived the perfect life, walked into death so that we may have new life. Thanks be to God. And we could go with a hundred different things that because of Jesus and the fact that he actually did not succumb when we succumb, we now have hope and faith and have the opportunity not to be slaves to sin. So it makes complete sense that that's where Paul ends this whole thought in Romans seven, because there's no other way you could end it. Right. Right. Like I am a wretched sinner, but thanks be to God through Jesus because Jesus did all the things that we could not do. We were asked to live the covenant. We couldn't do it. We were asked to be a light to the nations. We didn't do it. We failed it. We broke it. Jesus is the light that overcomes the darkness. Like all of these amazing things. It is just like, it's, it is a moment of stand up, hallelujah, clap your hands, go crazy. Like you should read this church and where we've been for Again, 10 weeks in the beginning talking about bad stuff, all these things talking about bad stuff. Like, it should drive us to this, like, oh, 
Oh, I'm so grateful for Jesus. He is, it is so much more realizing how great grace really is because of where we've been. Yeah. Yeah. It goes all the way back to chapters three and four where he says, where then is boasting? Like we don't get to take any credit for this. We don't get to, it is thanks be to God. It is not by my willpower, not by my might, not by my, uh, knowing more and thus doing better. No, knowing more actually made me worse. Thanks be to God. Like God stepped in and did something that saved me from this body that is subject to death. So yeah, it is a celebratory time. Yeah. So good. All right, guys. Well, thanks. Good, good chatting about this past Sunday and we'll, uh, we'll be back in a couple of weeks. So we'll be doing a Christmas sermon, uh, on the 23rd and 24th. We hope you join us for that. And then the first of the year, January 1st, we'll be doing our, our annual family meeting where we share, you know, some of the incredible things that, that, uh, God did through and amongst our church this last year, as well as some vision for the future. Uh, but because we're out of Romans, that does mean we're taking two weeks off the podcast. So we'll be back on January 9th uh, for another episode of the gospel for everyone podcast. See you then. Amen. Well, like I just mentioned, uh, we're going to be taking two weeks off of the Gospel for Everyone podcast as we're not teaching out of the Book of Romans for the next two weeks. We have a Christmas message that will be happening on the 23rd and 24th. All of the service times are at the website, quadcity.church/christmas. And then on the first of the year, we'll be sharing our family meeting where we look back at everything that's gone on this past year and look ahead at a future that we are eager and excited for. We couldn't be more excited share that with you over the next couple of weeks. One thing you can look forward to, however, is an exclusive cut from one of the podcasts that didn't quite make the show that will be dropping sometime between now and January 9th. So stay on the lookout for a fun and quirky conversation with Jason, Josh, and I. Well, as always, if you have any questions or comments from Sunday's message, then we would love to help answer them. You can submit those questions right there at quadcity.church/romans so that we can answer them right here on the podcast. Thanks again for joining us today. We hope you have a great couple of weeks, and we can't wait to see you after the new year.